many of the celebrities that you saw in this film are here today. <laughs> well, uh, for those of you who don't know me, my name is Graham, and uh, glad you're here. I'm glad you're tuning in at Church Online as well. I figure there's a couple people with their feet up by the fire this morning. And uh, all of you here at Church on Main Street, thanks for coming in, and Merry Christmas, even if you're, I mean, especially if, I mean, uh, Church Online, yeah, thanks, we're glad you're here too. On behalf of my family and uh, to all of you here and there, we just want you to know how much we love you, how much we appreciate you, and we pray that you'll be very, very, very blessed this Christmas, so Merry Christmas to you. Special thing about today is that probably most of you can now at least claim to be finished with Christmas shopping, right? <laughs> I mean, how many of you are just about, have already, or you're just about to re-gift a present this year? Is there anyone? I mean, I praise God for you. I mean, that's some uh, saved stewardship. That's, you're saving the planet. You're saving on wrapping paper costs. I think it's great. Regifting is fun because there's always that little element of danger. You don't know for sure how it's going to turn out. Like the family that received a bunch of gift cards for a birthday, and the husband took the cards and he used them all up, but he didn't throw them away. He kept them and he put them in a drawer. And his beautiful, frugal wife found them and thought that they were the cards that they had purchased to give to people for Christmas. So she gave the cards with no money on them to her friends. <laughs> so Merry Christmas to all those this year who are going to be receiving used gift cards. <laughs> you have a, a long and noble heritage. Uh, I bet that she had wished that they had done things a little bit differently. And I'm curious, how many of you have something in your life, even that's happening right now, that you wish was, well, different? I know a lot of people, um, this time of year is the, is the best time of the year. And for others, this is, a, this is a very heavy time of year. And some of us are celebrating the first or second Christmas with that new family member. And some of us are celebrating the first or the second Christmas with a missing family member. I know for some that's, what, that, what, that's what's happening right now. It isn't what you planned for Christmas. And a lot of you are facing things like that, maybe not as dramatic as that, or maybe more dramatic than that. And some of you, even today, have health issues. That's why you can't be here. Some of those health issues are much more significant, and that can be so incredibly difficult. Maybe you're uh, uh, this person beside someone with a health issue, and that's really hard as well. I, I know that during this time of the year, it can, it can just get wild. Uh, we have chaotic schedules. I got to book them. I got to book them. I got to visit here. I got to visit there. I got to get everything done. I got to go, 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 go. I got to get all the presents. I got to get them all wrapped. I got to get them all under the tree. Got to get the house cleaned up. Got to get the decorations done. Got to get all those special meals made. I got to get everybody dressed up in the right clothes to head over to grandma's house. And then we got to go and unwrap all those presents that took you so long to wrap. And it can be just a chaotic experience. And instead of this time, this season, feeling like it was filled with peace, for so many people, it's just a time filled with anxiety. 
I, I know uh, financially a lot of people are stressed out now. Um, you're, you're spending and you're spending and you're spending, and, and January is coming. Uh, and, and so are the, bill, the bills, and you, and you feel it. It's there. There's tension. There's anxiety. And some of you, at the same time, you've got family issues that are happening, right? You know it's supposed to be a Merry Christmas. Everybody tells you it's going to be a Merry Christmas, but it looks more like a Jerry Springer Christmas. And it can be challenging. How do we balance? How do we do this? Where is the peace in Christmas? You know, Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6, we've talked about it before. It's a prophetic verse given some 700 years before the birth of Jesus. And, they were, and there he was given four specific titles. This episode, we're here to look at the fourth title. So back to uh, verse 6. For a child is born to us, a son is given to us, the government will rest on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father. And the fourth one, even at Church Online, Church on Main Street. Would you say it together with me, please? He will be called the Prince of Peace. That's one of His titles. Jesus is called the Prince of Peace. And I hope that during this time, together in worship, you will experience, even to some measure, the peace of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's why we gather. I know that as a kid... Uh, we would go to Christmas Eve church, and, and, and I loved it. I, I always seemed to like it. I experienced a blend. It was a blend of excitement and, and a hard to describe. I, I can only describe it looking back, but a spiritual peace. There was something about it, something that I really, really liked, and I didn't exactly know why. We'd sing some well-known Christmas carols, and I would just settle on the inside. Spiritually, that would be calming for me. And we'd light the candles up and we'd sing uh, Silent Night and there was something so settling about that. I really enjoyed it. But at the same time, I wondered, where was Jesus, the Prince of Peace, during the rest of the year, during the normal everyday moments? Like, uh, let's look at Luke chapter 2, verse 10. It's a well-known, very important passage dealing with the coming of Jesus. And there's this angel of the Lord, and, and he's speaking to some shepherds in a field. Verse 10, but the angel said to them, do not be afraid, standard greeting for an angel. I, I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people, all the people. 11, today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the long-awaited one, the one that you guys have been waiting and praying for for hundreds of years, the Lord. Verse 12, and this will be a sign to you. This is how you're going to know. You're going to find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. 13, suddenly, a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel praising God and saying, verse 14, glory to God in the highest. And on earth, peace to those on whom His favor rests. Jesus is called before He was born, as He was born, the Prince of Peace. When Jesus was born, the angel said, peace on earth. But yet, when I think about it, I think about the birth of Jesus, I'm not envisioning a very peaceful event at all. I don't think that's how the people there experienced it. There's a little teenage girl named Mary finds out she's pregnant by God. Um, so that's 
tough to explain at the country club. Um, so at the very beginning, it, it, it didn't start peacefully for her. Then, then we follow along with her on her journey, and at some point she gets to be nine months pregnant, and they find out that they've got to go across the country. Nothing peaceful about that. Of course, for taxes, why else would you have to go? Government. Uh, they, they pull into town, and, you know, and she's got to be freaking out. You've got to get me to a place, Joseph. I, I, I'm going to have this baby. I, I need to go somewhere. Help me out here. And so Joseph got out and goes and does his deal. He negotiates with somebody somewhere. The guy says to him, man, there's not a place in town. We're packed. Everyone's here. But I, I guess you can go stay with the animals. And oh, good. Uh, okay. So we can have the baby in a, in a barn thing? Um, that's always what I pictured, of course, right? Animals and animal poop and, and barn stuff right nearby. Perfect. Just what I was hoping. And, and, and so you got this girl. She's maybe 13 or 14 years old, nine months pregnant, walked all this way, like at least 90 miles, now out hanging with Steve the sheep. And she gives birth, and there's no epidural, there's no midwife, there's no ice chips, there's no hot water uh, birth, there's no peace. Jesus is born. The Prince of Peace enters planet Earth. And King Herod, a little while later, he feels threatened. He hears stories, right? He's freaking out. I've heard rumors about this. There's been prophecies. I th I, I, do you think that this guy, this baby, might one day overthrow me? And so the king says, I got an idea. Let's just go kill the baby. Go, go find him and kill him. And just to make sure, why don't you go ahead and kill every baby under age two, all of them that are male, just kill them all as well, and then we'll be sure. This is where the Prince of Peace is born. And all of a sudden, all of these innocent baby boys are being murdered, and I'm, and I'm left going, this is tough to reconcile, right? This doesn't seem to make sense to me from my perspective. So I fast forward to today, and I see people all around me, they just don't have peace. People who are just stressed out all the time. No peace, just anxiety, tension. I see Christian marriages, and you think, okay, he knows Jesus, and okay, she knows Jesus. They should have a peaceful marriage, right? Isn't that how it's supposed to work? And yet studies show, and our eye test shows us that just as many Christians end up in divorce as non-Christian marriages. Where's the Prince of Peace in that? And, and, and I know uh, people uh, financially, and most people that I know today make far more money today than they ever have in their own lives, far more than when they started, and yet there's more financial pressure now than they've ever had before. We've got inflation, we've got soaring food and fuel prices. Where's the peace in that? I look at the relational tension, and I, and I don't mean the deep, deep stuff. I mean, just the surface level. People just can't seem to get along. You find it in parking lots or making left turns or last-minute lane changes. Where's the peace in that? You turn on the news, and what do you see? You see car bombing, active shooter warnings, countries at war. And I started to ask myself, if Jesus is the Prince of Peace, did He fail? I mean, I don't want to sound like a heretic or anything and give you one more thing to start worrying about. That's not my goal, but it's a little bit difficult for me to reconcile sometimes. If He's the Prince of Peace, did He fail?
Ultimately, it, it depends on how you define peace and what that looks like for you. I've always thought that peace would be the thing that would remove my anxiety, or, or, or peace would calm me when I, I'm disturbed, so I wouldn't have to feel disturbed because I'm just feeling peace. But when we study Jesus, the Prince of Peace, we find that He's so much more than just that. So um, among other names, Jesus was called the Prince of Peace. In Hebrew, it's a term that's sar shalom. So two words there, sar, it means the one who was in charge. It means the captain, it means the Lord, it means the chief, it means the general. The Romans, they took the word or a word that's similar, sar, and it became, instead of S-A-R, it became C-Z-A-R. And then it became Caesar, like Julius Caesar. It was the one that was in charge. Jesus is the captain, the chief, the Lord. He's the star of Shalom. So what's Shalom? Well, Shalom, in, in common practice, was a greeting that people would give to each other. They'd say, Shalom. They, kind of like we might say hi. They'd give it to each other as they saw them. But Shalom was a, a blessing. It was a wish. It means rest. It means tranquility. It means wholeness. It means completeness. Not something that one can have entirely by themselves, but shared in community. Jesus is the Shar Shalom. You could say that He's the captain of rest. He's the Lord of tranquility. He's the chief of contentment. Jesus is the Shar Shalom. And as long as we are under Christ, we can have His peace. Now, does that mean that we can do anything that we want and we're still going to experience and live in a place of peace? Well, of course not, right? Can a guy go out, live any way he wants, go get his girlfriend pregnant, come back to church and say, I don't feel peace? No, you, you can't experience peace in that because you're doing something outside of the lordship, of the leadership of shalom. So can a couple get into a big hairy fight? Go ballistic. Start calling each other names, and the kids are covered their ears. They're going, oh, you're so embarrassing. And then all of a sudden, expect to have the peace of God? Well, of course not, because they are outside of the Sar Shalom. Can a person, say in this season, charge up their credit cards and go out and start spending money, more money than they make, and just expect to experience peace? No. They are outside of the will of the Sar Shalom. So it's only when we are under the lordship of the Sar, the one who's in charge, that we experience his peace. You can't just have it regardless of where you are. So the amazing thing is, when we are under the lordship of Christ, he can give us a peace, and that peace will be incomprehensible to people who are looking on from the outside. They watch you and they say, I don't get it. How can you have peace in the midst? When your private world is falling apart, Jesus can provide you with an inward peace that goes beyond human understanding. And just as the Sar Shalom can give you peace, He can also take that same peace away. Why would He do that? Well, because He is the Sar Shalom. He is the Prince of Peace. And He may remove your peace to get your attention, to let you know where you are. He may remove His peace when you've left Him behind so that He might draw you back in. It's a warning light that goes off. He is the Sar Shalom. He is the Lord. He is the general. He is the chief of Shalom. Peace is more. Shalom is more than just that peaceful, easy feeling you get. It is a completeness. It is a wholeness. It is a balance. 
It is tranquility. It is rest. He is the Lord or the Prince of Peace. And when you are under Him, you can experience His peace. But when you step outside of His will, when you step outside of His way, you may find that you no longer experience His peace. That's why you want to be under the Sar Shalom. So what does that mean in our everyday life? Two thoughts. First of all, uh, Jesus, the Sar Shalom, He is the peace who comforts you. So some of you right now, you've got some things in your life. Uh, they're just going haywire. You don't know why they keep happening, but they keep happening. There's no inward spiritual peace. And when you have no peace, sometimes you make sure that the world around you also does not have peace. You make sure that others suffer around you. You need to know what I'm experiencing. Understand that the Sar Shalom, Jesus, wants to bring you comfort. And here's what Jesus said in John chapter 14, verse 27. He said, peace, I leave with you. Whose peace do I give to you? Say it aloud. My peace I give to you. Notice it's not your peace. It's His peace. He doesn't let you have your peace. He gives you His peace. His peace is what Jesus gives to you. I do not give to you as the world gives. And we know how that works. you got to earn it. Do not let your hearts be troubled. And do not be afraid. It's the peace of the one who is in charge of shalom. And he gives you his peace. Let me show you what that looks like. Cheryl and I went to Thailand a couple years ago. And as we anticipated it, there was a degree of uneasiness. All right? I am not a savvy international man of mystery. All right? I experienced a lack of peace. So we asked our friend, Derek Burnett, to give us some help. He's an international worker who is in Thailand. And he's been there for about 20 years. He traveled with us. He helped select the transportation, the accommodations, the food, places to visit, pretty much everything. When I started that trip, I had no peace with me. I couldn't pack it. I couldn't find it. But Derek, Derek had lots of peace with him. It's basically his home country now. I don't have peace because I don't know how to speak Thai. I don't know where to go. And I think if I go there, I'm going to get lost and you'll never be seen again. But because I'm with someone that knows how to speak the language, knows how to get around, I share his peace. Derek gave me his peace because we were together. He's with us. I'm with him. So if he's got peace, I've got his peace too because he's with me. So when we are under Jesus, the Prince of Peace, he gives us a peace. It's not our peace. It's His peace. We, if we are far apart, we don't have access to His peace as when we are close to Him. So, what if I'm not experiencing His peace? If you don't have that peace, maybe, maybe, maybe you're just here because you think in coming here, you're supposed to get it. You may be a believer in Jesus, but you're trying to do it all by yourself. You're trying to do it yourself your way. You're trying to have the energy for it. I just got to get ramped up. I just got to try harder. And you try to figure it out. You're trying to solve it on your own. You're trying to do and to cope with life outside of the Sar Shalom, just to show him that you don't need it. 
What do we do? Scripture here is very, very clear. Philippians 4, starting at verse 6, do not be anxious about anything. Okay, very important to understand that this phrase is not a command, okay? It's not, do not be anxious about anything, and if you do, you're, you're a terrible person. It's like a, a father saying to you, relax, buddy. You can calm down. It's implicit trust that's implied here, okay? That's what's going on. Do not be anxious, okay? I know more than you. I see more than you, and I'm, I'm right here with you. Do not be anxious about anything. Not a command and not a demand. An offering. Do not be anxious about anything. And honestly, even in this season, many of us, man, we are anxious about all kinds of things. Anxious, anxious, anxious. You know what? It's about everything. He says, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything. So instead of being anxious in everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, what do we do? Say it out loud again. What do we do? We present our requests to God. Verse 7, and then, and then after that, the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, which blows people's minds, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Stay close. When we are outside trying to cope on our own, we simply don't have peace. And you, you step back closer to Christ, get under His Lordship, and then our, we take our requests to Him, we present them to Him, to Him we say, I'm, I'm telling you this because I can't do it on, on my own. It, it, it's no longer mine. I want to share this with you. You share your peace, I'll share my need. I trust you with it because you are in charge. I have your peace. We're tight. Jesus is the Sar Shalom. He is the peace who comforts you. Second thing, Shar Shalom, Jesus is the peace who saves you. He is the peace who brings salvation. Romans chapter 5, verse 1. Therefore, therefore means because of everything I just said before. So we're not going to read all that, but we're going to jump as if it has been read. Therefore, since we have been justified through faith. Okay, and so notice the Apostle Paul, he's the one writing here. He doesn't say uh, we have been justified by our good works or by our religious efforts. Therefore, since we've been justified through faith, what do we have? Say it out loud. What do we have? We have peace with God. Say it again. We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. We have peace with God. Not because what we are doing is working really well. Not because we're trying really hard and we're succeeding. Not because we've done all the good things that people say we have to do. But we have the peace with God through the Sar Shalom by our Lord Jesus Christ. A gift. But I don't really know if I have peace with God. I don't feel peace. Why might that be? Because perhaps the one who can give us peace has taken it away, strategically removed peace from you to draw you back toward himself. Your warning light has gone off. So for me as a child, again, I didn't really realize this necessarily when I was a child, but as uh, I think back, as I work back, and I try to understand what was happening, for years I would say, I, I, I don't have a peace with God. Uh, and part of that was because I was in church, and we learned so many things that were wrong, that I realized that I was pretty much always doing something wrong, and I was good at it. I was very good at doing things that were wrong. And so my peace with God was compromised because I thought that I was trying to seek after Him. I thought that was important and I wanted to do that. At least sometimes I felt drawn to Him. I felt drawn to wanting to do it. But I always wondered, 
have I already done too many bad things to be right with God? And, and it's not just my past because I keep, I keep doing new bad things. Could I ever do enough to make it up? Right? Because that's somehow what we think. You've got to do more good than bad. And inwardly, I felt like I, I had done something wrong against God. And, and why, why is that? Possibly because God had gave me a strategic absence of peace to know in my conscience that there was something not right, that my relationships were broken, and I needed to do, to do something. I needed to be drawn close to Him again. No wonder there is, uh, why there is a, an absence of peace. And Maybe it's because you're outside of the only one who can actually bring you real, real spiritual peace. And that's why I think Christmas is so important, incredibly important. For God so loved the world that He sent His Son, Jesus, born of a virgin, conceived by the power of the Holy Spirit. Why is that important? Why that theology? Why does it make such a, a big difference? Because we all have an earthly father, and we inherit a sin nature, and we are bent towards sin. You never have to sit a kid down and say, guess what? Today, I'm going to teach you how to sin, right? We're going to have us some sinning lessons. What I want you to do today is sin. Go ahead. Be selfish. We don't need to teach anybody how to do that because we're already bent towards it. It's our natural leaning. But Jesus, who was born of a virgin, did not have a sin nature so that He could be the perfect sacrifice for our sins, so that He could be the innocent Lamb of God who was slain for our sins on a cross so that He could give us His life. He could be raised again so that even us, even in our sin, could be underneath Him, in proximity to Him, the one who is in charge, the one who gives peace. It's not our peace, it's His peace. We can't earn our way to be right with God. It's only under, only because we are under Jesus and what He did for us, and that alone. So some of you right now, you're here and you're wondering, why aren't you experiencing peace with God? And so you've, you've decided, I know what to do. Everyone tells me, i got to be a good person. i got to try to be a good person. And we're wondering, can I ever be good enough? What is good enough? What is good and we're going to talk about that kind of stuff. Heaven, good enough, all that kind of stuff. We're going to do that in January. Come back in January. We're going to start to talk about that and the, the big implications of what's going on. So you're trying to not be a bad person, and you wonder, why does it seem like I'm still bent towards bad things? And you know why? It's because you are bent toward it. You cannot work your way out of that. You simply take the step of faith. I believe, Jesus, that you are enough. Here's what the Apostle Paul says. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 13. But now, in Christ Jesus, you who were once far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. 14. For He Himself is our peace, who has made the two groups one, and He's destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility. For Christ Himself is our peace. Outside of Him, we have no promises. Inside of Him, we have the peace that passes all understanding. We have the peace of the one who's in charge, the Prince of Peace. So what does a prince have in practical terms? Well, a prince has a kingdom. 
kingdom's not a castle. What is the kingdom made up of? Among other things, the kingdom is made up of people. Among other things, a kingdom is made up of a distinctive set of values. It has a particular culture. Philippians 3, chapter 20. But our citizenship is in heaven as we eagerly await a Savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ. I really like James Moffat, uh, his translation of this, this passage, the concept that comes out of that, where he says, we are a colony of heaven. I like the way that sounds. A Roman colony was a miniature Rome, a reproduction, an, an, an outpost of the city. And so the Roman citizens that were in the colony, they tried to reproduce the life and the customs of Rome in their colony. They lived as if they were in Rome itself. Now that is the reality that we are to live in and to create right here. So when I say frequently, thanks for bringing into one to life, thank you for animating it, I am referring to us bringing a colony of heaven right where we are. And into the colony, we bring awareness and deference to our prince. We live in the culture under the code. We inhale and exhale the environment of his kingdom. He reigns over and rules over this colony, and under him we discover and delight in our peace, our prince of peace, the regent of our colony of heaven. Today, Christmas Day, I just want to point you back to the reason that we exist, the reason that we do what we do. I want to point you back to Jesus. And today I want to highlight him as the Prince of Peace, your Prince of Peace, the provider of the peace that you so desperately long for. I just want to point back to Jesus and leave you with that. Jesus, God's gift to us, our hope in this world of peace, but our hope in the next world as well. Kind Father, thank you. Thank you for the gift of Jesus. Thank you for the possibility of peace. Thank you for the mystery that you can provide us with a peace that what other people look at, they go, I don't know why you're experiencing that peace. Everything is going wrong around you. And yet in the midst of that, you live like you're in another place. You live like you're not just beside us. You live like you're in a colony of heaven. And I know they don't say it like that, but that's kind of what they're, they're expressing. So together, God, draw us together. So many times we hear these things and we think of them, how it will relate to me as an individual. And that is important. But God, I pray that you would expand our vision to see that this is a place that we would live together in, a bunch of individuals together. And as you continue to draw us together and perfect us into one, may we live in such a way that the peace that we experience directly from you would be shared with the peace that the others around us are also sharing and that we might bring to life this colony of heaven to welcome others into experience, to live and breathe and what it means to be close to you. There are so many that, that walk nearby us that are without hope, frustrated, feeling no peace. Give us the ability the desire, the courage to welcome others into this colony that they might experience what it's like to be in the presence of God Himself and experience that 
peace, the Sar Shalom, for themselves. Use us this week as we go out to be with friends, to be with family, to celebrate. May we bring light into these parties, these gatherings, wherever it is we go. And may the peace that you have provided for us be evident, even if it is inexplicable to all who are around us. And then give us the courage to point back to you. My Sar Shalom, my Prince of Peace, changed my life and continues to transform me as I go forward. Thanks. In Jesus' name, amen.